0: hi mining community welcome back to another episode of the dig deep the mining podcast and today's guest is Ignacio salazzo who is the ceo of highland resources who are an asx listed potash company uh which focuses on the construction of this flagship low cost low capex mag project in spain which is fully permitted um Ignacio has a background in economics and law and has worked in the oil and gas industry with Shell before moving over to the mining industry back in 2009. Um, he's at the helm of Highfield Resources for the last uh, three or so years. So he's going to tell us a little bit more about the company, um, its journey and their future, plus some uh, plus some other things as well.
1: So that's welcome to uh, welcome Ignacio to the podcast. How are you doing, Ignacio? Very good, very good. Thanks, and I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Rob. Thanks a lot. Glad to yeah, be Yeah,
0: no, I appreciate your time as well. So, obviously, you, you you've listened to the podcast, so you know how it goes. So, I just wondered if you can uh, tell us a little bit about your your career. Obviously, I mentioned you were in the the oil and gas industry before moving over to the mining industry. So, I just wonder if you can give us a, an overview of your career, what what you've been doing. Um, before we uh, start asking some questions
1: around um, Highfield, by all means, yes, of course. So indeed, all my career, almost all my career in natural resources. The first uh, big part was with the with Shell, with the Royal Dutch Shell Group. I started in Spain so, for a, a small period of time, but moved quickly into the upstream oil and gas. I was there with Shell in total eighteen years. Happened to keep a bit of logic. Behind my move, I I joined uh, what is called the international staff of Shell, starting in Aberdeen, in the North Sea, in uh, upstream oil and gas, and then moved to several countries in Europe and South America. That is where the logic, uh, which I managed to have. But basically in Argentina, the UK and London, I was uh, as well in the headquarters, both London, The Hague, Germany, Denmark. Um, and I think that's it. So that was for eighteen years, and then um, I think decided to. I mean, obviously, very, very happy with that experience, but decided to move into a small, a smaller company. Junior, I was after a junior type of company, oil and gas or mining, but it happened to be a gold mining company in uh, with. Uh, listed uh, coal orosur mining with operations in, in production in Uruguay in this case and then we develop and, and uh, increase our operations in Colombia and in Chile so all in South America. Uh, gold listed in Toronto and in London but very much focusing gold in South America. That was 12 years it started at the CFO but the last uh, eight years there I was the CEO of Orosur, and as you said correctly, uh, starting here in Highfield with, uh, in the pandemic in, in COVID in July 2020, so almost uh, practically three years. And funny enough, all my career, almost 30 years or maybe a bit more, with, um, yeah, well, more, more, 18 plus 12 plus three, and um, basically in most of that outside Spain but I come originally from Bilbao which is very close to the becomes relevant now in this company finally um, is close to the project which is based in the north of Spain close to to Bilbao in in Navarra and Aragón the two regions close to the Pyrenees
0: yeah before we speak about Highfield it seems half of your career has been in the oil and gas and half of it has been in mining now what 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 are the major differences that you see between the two industries
1: Well, it's it's. Um, I mean, they are they are similar. Obviously, they are both natural resources. Is all they are a key elements. The big capital spent uh, upfront, the cycle, and and how the the commodity price goes up and down. Um, so obviously, it's a lot in parallel. The oil and gas, in my mind, tends to be well, and especially in my experience with Shell, bigger. I mean, you are dealing with uh, bigger investments. Uh, potentially I mean a lot of oil and gas and uh, I, I mentioned Aberdeen but uh, also in Germany and well in Denmark more than uh, is offshore so a lot is yeah away from the from from land and from communities um these days uh, more and um and I think in in those I, I think in this in that sense probably away from some of the license to operate uh, that you may have in other places, but in bigger industry, well, also oil and gas tends to be from a more operational side. I mean, I see the the open pit that you have uh, in your background. uh, So you don't see that in oil and gas It's just uh, drilling a hole. And then the oil and the gas coming out, not that you need to take uh, uh, so much out of the ground. Uh, uh living a site in Canada no the sands that uh, probably is a mix no maybe something in the middle between oil and gas and mining so technically and commercially and and uh, is and maybe the size uh, the players in the oil and gas again typically bigger than in the mining industry but um <clears throat> something's in parallel and, and some things um, yeah that that make a difference between those two sectors indeed yeah so, just wondering
0: if you can give us an overview of uh, Highfield, um, and obviously you've been with the company for for three years now. Um, just wondering if you can give us a snapshot of the company.
1: Yeah, Highfield, uh, an ASX listed company, Australian, uh, Australian based, but all very much uh, is managing uh, one project. In, in I mean, we have some other exploration permits in around this project but very much the focus is in one operation in spain this is north of spain navarra and aragon those two uh, what we call autonomous communities here in spain is the technical name two regions so it's really in the border between those two and the project is called muga which in basque means border uh, meaning between those two communities No. for uh, this is uh uh It's going to be a a potash mine. We started some of the construction already. I I tell you where we are right now. But basically, potash MOP, we might discuss a bit later about potash. Fertilizer, very key, especially in Europe these days, that is in deficit of potash. But uh, a very key commodity Going forward, I mean, you know, BHP, for example, has moved into potas as part, part of the mega trends globally that we see projects moving for companies from oil, gas, coal to um, lithium, potas. Uh, so in that sense, very interesting, but maybe not as well known, obviously not as well known as other uh, mining um uh, Mining companies, no, and, mining, uh, and, and minerals and, and metals, no. So we are, we have gone through all the permitting. So the permitting is behind us. Very important. So we we are shovel ready, as I like to say. We started, in fact, a bit of uh, the preliminary work around the mine gates, uh, the mine gates, uh, yeah, because they are two last year. And basically, we've done a lot of progress with the financing, finalising that, and now uh, really ramping up the project team and the, uh, the, the finalising the, the agreements with contractors. We are we have been doing this work up to this point with a small group, lean and mean team of thirty people, and the construction effort is going to take us including contractors, to 1,000. So about to explode in the the good sense of the word um, in this uh, phase from, as I said, permitting finished, the financing practically done or very close to finalized, and then moving into the construction of the Muga mine, which is going to be a first phase half a million tons of potash. And we have the capacity to double that uh, soon after
0: yeah just want to you just tell us a little bit about uh the background of your uh,
1: flagship uh, muga project yes so as i said this is uh, about to start construction uh, at the end of the year uh, we uh, half a million this is a very conventional room and pillar mining is uh, this project um i mean a lot of um I mean, in, in potash again, probably saying a couple of words. Uh, there are other SOP that you use uh, brine and, and other methods just to to get the salts and the potash at the end of the day from from the from the ground. In our case, it's conventional room and pillar, and uh, we access the mineralization through two ramps. It's going to be an underground mine, uh, two ramps of two and a half kilometers each. So pretty standard compared to other projects. Uh, uh, potash projects quite shallow mineralization. We have no aquifers on top of mineralization, so pretty uh, easy mining, and also conventional uh, uh, crystallization uh, methods to, to get um, to, to get the processing done for for our potters you no know? so very important and i think the key difference with our project is that we are in the middle of the market as i said this is a fertilizer and in the north of spain we are surrounded by by farmers in fact our mine we have to push aside some farming just to to build the mine and again compared to piers that's a big differentiator so The project has the capacity to scale up. I mean, we are already thinking on two phases, but as I said, this is part of a bigger Ebro basin, uh, uh, strong in Potas. At the end of the basin, close to the Mediterranean in Barcelona, close to, to Barcelona, there is a mine right now of Potas. And there used to be a bit more to the north of our project, close to Pamplona, going to moving into the cantabric uh, sea um, there used to be mines at the end of in the 80s 90s uh, now they are closed no so it a, is a quite a basin that we could do a lot more it is a very attractive high volume commodity like potash transportation costs are key and to be in the middle of the market uh, drives uh, obviously a lot of value and makes our project uh, top quarter in terms of uh, margins uh, from an ESG perspective, obviously, we've gone through all the permitting now, is top standards in the industry. We will be, just to give you an idea from the environmental point of view, and these projects you may in Germany, there are some in, in Barcelona, they leave uh, a mountain of, a white mountain of salt as mineral residues. We will leave either, sell the salt or um, or basically, we have the commitment to backfill uh, all the residues as we go along during the life of the mine. And uh, well, very, uh, very attractive uh, location strategically, even if you wish in Europe. No, that is in deficit and used to be supplied by Russia and Belarus. No, so very, very important uh, even at, at that level. No.
0: I um, just want to briefly talk about, uh, obviously, the potash that you're going to be producing um, and also the, the current potash market, what's actually happening in, in in the environment, in the potash environment at the moment.
1: Absolutely, yes. So potash, which is uh, indeed probably very worthwhile to discuss because it's less, uh, less known than copper or gold, etc. So basically, and, and by the way, when in our case, we are talking about MOP, uh, Muriate of Potash, uh, there are which is the key potash product. Let, let's call it that way because it works with chloride. Uh, there is another like the SOP that, especially in Australia, people are very familiar. Most projects in Australia are SOP, which are uh, for crops that are sensitive to chloride. But the point here is that uh, MOP. Our in our case, this is a global market of 70 million compared to the other one, SOP, which is seven, which is a tenth globally of our product, no? So, but again, to concentrate on MOP, um, uh, which is for the standard crops um, like corn and and wheat and the the normal crops that are uh, able to tolerate chloride. And at the end of the day, uh, the MOP has a very high potassium content so uh, and that's why the market is a lot bigger for for mop but coming back to uh, potas and and mop in particular so basically the the market is i mean in this commodity is 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 a small number of countries that that really dominate this market canada produces globally 30 percent of the mop production of these 70 million uh, tons the russia 20 percent Belarus 19 20 percent no so the two you add then 70 percent is is being generated from three countries and indeed as well 80 percent of production a big part of the 70 80 is controlled by eight eight companies no so it is a relatively uh, organized hopefully uh, Market in that sense the fundamentals of MOP, in particular potash in general, are related to uh, a v- relatively easy equation. Demand is growing, I mean, simply because people are, uh, are, we have more people in the planet that are eating more and have higher uh, feeding demands. And on the other side, arable land is, is decreasing, is is less and less, and both trends are looks like unavoidable going forward the only way to make that equation works and produce more with less land is to have fertilizers which is uh, this famous mpk the nitrogen uh, phosphate and k is potassium no? so potassium key uh, to, to make this work in the long run the future looks like a no-brainer know that the fundamentals for demand of this uh this product are are going to be strong now in, in the case of As uh, as I said, it's half a million, one million in a market of 70. So it's not a big player. The key, of course, is that we are not in the middle of nowhere in Canada or sorry, but that is where they are in Russia or Belarus. We are in the middle of the market. So we are obviously we will be a small player, but we will be in the middle of the market. So we have a niche market all around us. We can, and for such a high volume commodity, like us, say, eh, we can track uh, around us 500 kilometers. We will have half of our production sold there. And the farmers need that, not only that access, but that flexibility. So extremely competitive in our area. And basically in the case of Europe becomes, uh, was always, I think, a strategic project, but Europe practically half, of the potash consumption. There is a mine, as I said, in Germany, as well in Spain, in Barcelona, but uh, half of that was imported. And and most of what was imported was from Russia and Belarus that now they are subject, especially Belarus, to sanctions by um, America, the US, and Europe. So obviously, from the point of view of Europe, becoming a lot more aware of reliance on European, obviously, critical uh, minerals or raw materials, uh, gas, obviously, the one everybody is aware of, but uh potash is the second fertilizers, potash specifically, and, and food in general, is becoming, obviously, uh, recently a lot more aware of this. But the key element of this bridge has always been the location in the middle of the market and uh, well, a, a, sort, a commodity that we see with strong fundamentals going forward, And a very strong profile of MUGA of Highfield, considering where where we sit in the in the margin curve.
0: Yeah. What makes Highfield Resources or even your uh, MUGA project special? Obviously, you've you've just spoken about the locality and obviously servicing servicing, I suppose, the local market, whether that's just Spain or even going to further parts of Europe. What else is special about your your uh, or your operation once it goes into operation and the company
1: yeah we we like to always explain uh, three points i mean the, the first one and the most important one is the location for the for this uh, um for this commodity you no know, where transportation is so important and and the alternatives might come up from if they are not coming anymore from belarus or russia which are by the way mines that are 1800 kilometers in, uh, in- inland compared to our case, that is either tracking around or taking the product to Bilbao, which is 200 kilometers, or, or there is another harbor here in Pasaya as well, uh, 150 kilometers from the mine. Uh, so the, the logistics and the location in, in the middle of the market makes I would say the first key thing that is special in our case. The second one we mentioned I mentioned something a bit before compared to again these projects in Canada, our peers in Canada or Russia, that obviously they will have and they have bigger size and economies of scale, but typically these products are these, sorry, these projects or, or mines have are a lot deeper than uh, us. Uh, When I said we are shallow, we will be accessing mineralization 350 meters of depth. And they are, these projects typically are 1,000 or more. And and typically, I I mentioned that they will, they typically, this sort of geology, they will have an aquifer sitting on top of the mineralization. So they will have to build, they will have to freeze the aquifer, build a shaft through the aquifer to access mineralization. So to build that, I mean, only to build uh, one of these in Janssen, this uh, project from BHB was $2 billion, uh, dollars, you know, the, the shaft. So not only the cost is uh, very high, but all after that to operate, maintain a mine through a shaft compared to the ramp you can imagine is, is very different. You know? I mentioned our project is Rumuga uh, top quarter in terms of margins, but to build the mine in a comparable basis for this level of production, costs half of what it costs in other over peers no. to some extent because of the shallow mineralization point number two and finally point number three because compared to being in the middle of nowhere and you have to build all the logistics for the sake of the project we are in an extremely developed um, area in terms of infrastructure all the funds from the European Union in the 80s 90s were to connect Spain to the rest of Europe and being in the north of Spain by the Pyrenees we have a motorway we have a motorway not empty or very, very empty. From Pamplona, where we are sitting here in the office, to the which is 45 kilometers to get very close to the mine, we have uh, the electricity substation uh, is already there next to the mine. Uh, water, we have a channel crossing the 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 project itself. So it is in a very well developed um, uh, fr- uh, area from an infrastructure perspective. On top of that, especially the several ports uh, that we can use and the port of Bilbao is the biggest deep water port in Spain. So very, very handy to have that at 200 kilometers or less from the mine as well. So those three, the location in the middle of the market, shallow mineralization with everything that it means and a lot of infrastructure for a high volume commodity, that is really what you would love to have uh, when you are looking for a project like this, yeah
0: yes yeah, certainly um i know you've been pretty busy uh since the beginning of this year um i just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about some of the recent developments uh that you've uh that you've experienced
1: and gone through so very much up to this and in my i mean almost three years here that was about a very key key objective for the company was to get it fully permitted and shower ready as i said that is behind us so we don't talk too much about that anymore hopefully while that was the main topic of discussion and we can we don't need to say that we think it's easy we can say well it was whatever it was is behind us no now so that is that was very important and it, it i mean and also the way i think we we managed to get this done with a lot of support from the community not, not i didn't say that was always um given or a walk on the park but it, it is a big take on the box and and done and we are ready uh, with all the permits as i said now we were working as well very much on the financing side we secure i mean the project the first phase is 436 440 million euros just to build the ramps and the and the and the well and and the and the plant we already started a small Part of the work on the preliminary works around the mine gate, because that gives us five, six months uh, that we have, let's say, covered in, in advance. So that was important. But okay, we are about to start that big construction. And for that, we need to complete. and as I said, a capex of 440, we need to complete uh, the financing. We secured, that was a long process, 320 million euros with project finance, with the three, four, let's say, very, uh, well, the re- the leading banks in this sort of financing, BNP Paribas, uh, Natixis, ING, SOCGEN. So the, the four, I think, uh, very strong banks. Recently, we announced that another two banks, um, HSBC uh, and uh, Caja Rural Navarra, that is this Nav- the regional savings bank, which provides finance to farmers joined into the syndicate. So all of that getting very well set up that is secure signed and sealed those 320 a bit extra 25 27 million capacity to get to 27 with macquarie in terms of equipment leasing we got now a few a couple of weeks ago closed a deal with our main shareholder emr the private equity in australia Uh, that has been a long supporting shareholder of a high field we had the um, his founder and, and chairman Owen Hegarty, last week here in the in the office and in the in the project so very glad for for that and they, they put another 25 million together with tectonic another um, the EMR and tectonic together 25 million and we are closing a, a process of um, with a, a strategic investor. And uh, potentially otherwise finalize the financing in the markets. No, so a lot of the pieces of the puzzle. I think the bulk of that is ready, and okay, always is the last uh, sprint to get to the finish line, and it's a lot of work going on there. No, but uh, but a lot is a lot more is behind us. So very very keen, and in parallel doing some work uh, as I said. I put in a big box of preparing for the construction, hired recently as well uh, the former president of ICL Spain. So this is my this spot as mine in Catalonia. I was talking about joining us to take um, be in charge of the construction of the plant, uh, Carles Aleman, and building the team, the engineering team. As I said, we kept the team lean and mean uh, during this period, but obviously we need to grow significantly and, and in a controlled manner going forward. Agreements with contractors. uh, We announced uh, yesterday the expropriation process, which is again lengthy, but, but very, very well run, I must say, that provide us access uh, to the land, all the land that we need for the project is now in our control. So, well, a, a lot of work. Uh, we, we are ticking boxes uh, as, as we move along and delivering on the way also, no? So plenty, plenty to do.
0: Yes, Sally And uh, obviously you mentioned Owen Hegarty. We have we had uh, Owen on our podcast probably about three years ago now. So he interviewed okay. uh, Owen. So uh, uh, those that are listening, Please go back and uh, listen to uh, Owen's uh, podcast that we did with him. Um, we I uh, wanted to get your, I suppose, your take on the mining industry within Spain. Um, before we went live, um, you, you mentioned that you listened to uh, uh, Pan Global, who are building a uh, copper copper mine in Spain, and obviously you're doing you be building a potash mine in, in in Spain as well, and I suppose majority of our audience who who are all around, obviously around the world, may not may not necessarily know Spain as a mining jurisdiction. So I just wondered if you can just give us your I suppose your take on the mining industry um, in Spain, what what it's like. Is it is it a bit like the UK where it's having a little bit of a resurgence? Um, yeah, I'd just like to hear your. Your views on that?
1: Yeah, there is is quite a few projects going around and quite a big push uh, to get new projects uh, up and running. I mean, it has a very long tradition in in Spain of mining from the Romans and before. I mean, uh, coming from Bilbao, iron ore, coal from Bilbao during the the Industrial Revolution. That, uh, as far as I know from the history books, that was a lot going to the UK and and to support that. So there is a lot uh, a lot of uh, tradition. There are a lot of very positive elements in Spain, like, I mean, salaries are still very competitive, very productivity good, uh, obviously, very much um, infrastructure also improved significantly. And, uh, and well, at the end of the day, you are in Europe, no? That is. Uh, uh, obviously very high standards from an environmental perspective. Those are European standards. It's not Spain or, or France or whatever. We are all at the same level. And, um, and obviously, yes, population um, is still unfortunately a relatively high level of unemployment, which means that you have, I'm thinking a lot of times when talking to Australian audience, they, they it's is always a lot harder to find uh, talent and the right people to develop projects here a bit better. Oh, you need to be very, very close. Like I think in Spain, anywhere else, not to to the politicians, to the administrations, to the to develop. Uh, it's always the possibility to, and, and that is, by the way, something we are doing: training and education, working with the government. We 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 did quite a lot with what is called. By the government, Buga Community, the name of the project, and they extended to the regions. Uh, they, I think we are lucky we have. I mean, this, this is quite uh, an, an endeavor, our project, because obviously it's not um, a project in the middle of a Uh, a lot of other mines and it's an extension or this is something there was, as I said here or not far away, some mines, uh, potash mines in the 90s. But right now we are starting from from scratch. In that sense, took uh, uh, obviously a bit of time to go through the permitting. But now that that is behind us, I think it's a good opportunity during the construction to develop with the help and the and the support of the communities education and and promotion and and training um uh, undertakings together with the government no so very much um people want to we are going to be with the mineral is it happens to be in Spain that a lot of the population is in, by the coast and Madrid in the middle but uh, things in the I mean that is a an issue: identify that uh, depopulation. What is called depopulation, the areas where we are going to be are not especially poor or whatever, but they are suffering from the People like to go and and live in the big cities. So the fact that we are there is a massive plus. Uh, the government has identified this Muga community. The social baseline study dated uh, all the benefits of uh, well 30-year mine life start with that uh, these projects tend to be 800 years so 30 years that we have defined and announced in in our feasibility study but uh, potentially obviously more so people want to find jobs and uh, they prefer to stay where they are and this is a massive opportunity spain maybe the only thing i add to that is that there is no spain there are many spains no because the regional spain is a very complex uh, a complex history, long history good and bad so every region and I think people know a bit of that and got the Basque and Catalonia and Madrid and Real Madrid against Barcelona you know all the if nothing else because of the football people are very well aware that it's not the same so as well um, is I think it's difficult to generalize when we talk about Spain no, you really need to go I think region by region just to understand how things really work but so far, so good. We are. I know, obviously, coming from Bilbao, know Spain well, but obviously this area better. So um, very important that uh, you you are credible. You, people understand what you are after, and and the benefits of the project for the community are clear. You try to organize with the government of the communities how to channel that to everybody, and and in my mind, is clear this is a win-win for everybody, no
0: yes certainly um i want to go you obviously like i mentioned you were in the oil and gas industry with obviously shell uh for like half your career um and then obviously you came into the mining industry what can you what and from your experience um what can the mining industry actually learn from the oil and gas industry and i suppose if we look at things like operations uh, a topic that always gets brought up brought up when i speak to uh, guests on this show the brand and image of mining um, and also sort of governance as well um, so just one of those those few topics there what can the mining industry do that you've seen that the oil and gas have done successfully whether that's mm-hmm. more recently or even quite a few years ago I just wondered if there was any if there's any glaring um, improvements I our industry can make um and especially around branding an image because that that always gets brought up um, mm. so yeah just wonder what your thoughts
1: are around that yeah i mean branding an image especially well i have to say and, and uh, that i am coming from let's say shell oil and gas so for a massive big company to Junior mining. So part of uh, my comments might be: Is that because one is oil and gas, the other one is mining, or is that because this is a major multinational, the other one is a junior mi- uh, junior company, no oil and gas or mining, whatever, no? So I really came up not only from one sector to another, but from let's say, one. I mean, I was always in operations and in production, not not just simply an exploration uh, company. But so in that sense, I could see all, every day uh, when I was in Orosur, the day-to-day challenges that around operation and production. Not, hopefully, in Haifa, we will be pretty soon. Uh, in construction, extremely soon, but in operation as well. No, I think, um, well, careful about that because oil and gas, uh, yes, maybe in those days had the reputation always has been uh, is a lot of discussion and challenge about oil and gas. No. Difficult to say. I I obviously from the shell perspective, the brainwash almost the emphasis on safety, uh, which I think in the mining as well. No, but it it has always been extremely uh, hard, uh, extremely tough, and I think in mining also. I think as I said, probably some of the elements for oil and gas, especially when you are working offshore. It, it once again with brand and reputation mind you in my days uh, shell was going through the brent part i don't know if you remember that uh, that it was um one of the platforms in the north sea was meant to be the commission and uh, well i think shell was trying to get the best engineering solution of that so this uh and uh, and got a big pushback from uh, activists everywhere especially in germany by all means with nothing to do with that but is where the uh, service stations, the retail service stations, the biggest network was in Europe for Shell at the time. So I think it's not only you have to do the right thing, but you have to communicate, make sure that is aligned with the communities. So it's, it's not what you think is the best. And I, I have no doubt uh, at this level we are discussing the companies are trying to do the best but you need to be very close to the stakeholders and the, and that uh, is not necessarily oil and gas versus mining but you really need to talk the same language is so is is human nature we are we are dealing with people so it's not an engineering solution to anything and when we think about brand eh, and things like that but these people and and people the perception of people might uh, change uh, significantly for not always 100% rational elements. I think that oil and gas and mining, to be honest, and maybe this is my own personal philosophy, we suffer from a bit of um, uh, unfair uh, reason that we will have to go and be where the mineralization is. And our industries, just I mean, maybe this comment helps to, I think, most of us uh, listening to these podcasts that are. are see all the value that mining can provide. I think because other industries, and I'm thinking here in, in Papua, we have Volkswagen, no, a factory here. See, many other industries say, well, I, I put the factory there. So, I mean, in our case, 400, 500 million euros investment. You like it? No, you don't like it, don't worry, I go to another place. In, in mining or in oil and gas, uh, you don't go to another place. I think that should be a reason for communities to feel very happy, um, Very grateful, but at the same time, well, very, very much uh, is as I said, win-win. But in some cases, no, not not. uh, Well, people might move from oh, that's very nice, no, to oh, just a minute, how uh, to uh, you need to be careful, be very close. So uh, I think what is and can be very positive, um, economic activity and creating a lot of value for everybody. It doesn't turn around, no. But I think it's no magic solution, or nothing one industry does better than another. It's more about individuals and and uh, and companies that are able to run that properly. And in my mind, is obviously to do things properly. I think that I give I take in as a given, but also the capacity to do it in a way that the communities and the and the administration and everybody is is aligned with the outcome of what you yeah. are doing
0: yeah and lastly and concluding what's the outlook for um, highfield resources for the remainder of this year going into uh, next year
1: so as i said i i, I basically very much as uh, Permitting is behind us. Uh, a lot of the financing is already signed and secure. We should finalize the rest what is pending while we build uh, the team and prepare the contracts with, uh, with the contractors and prepare all the preparation for construction, which uh, cannot be taken for granted at all is is getting ready. No, the company is going after several years of concentrating on, on permitting financing, is just about to move to a I didn't say two and a half years of construction. That is the plan for the construction. And that is the emphasis is going to move to well, I think it's been always about delivery, but it's going to move uh, has been at least for my three years here, delivery on the permitting and the financing, etc. But about delivery ruthless ruthless delivery on the construction in terms of budget and in terms of time and in terms of getting this uh, right so um, very much looking forward to that as well because it's it's a very obviously nice uh, task to to build really a mine when you see all the value amazing value that this project is going to create for stakeholders and for shareholders and for everybody involved yeah
0: Ignacio, i really appreciate your time in uh telling us about uh highfield resources and what you've been doing and uh, and obviously your views um with the oil and gas industry and obviously um the mining industry and 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 tell us a little bit about spain as a as a mining jurisdiction so i really appreciate your time if our audience wants to uh, reach out to you, if they've got any questions, if they want to follow your story, how can they go about doing that? What social media platforms are you on?
1: No, we we are, I mean, the best, uh, obviously we have our Highfield website uh, and uh, GeoAlcali in Spain but very much the Highfield website, we are very, uh, nowadays everybody is on all sorts of social media and we are doing quite a bit of, uh, the best thing is to be registered in the website because we do every now and then email blasts, uh, not only with the pre-releases obviously, but also with some of these uh, media and and things related to the company. Yeah, great.
0: Well, wish you all for the best uh, for the remainder of this year, going into next year. Perhaps you can come on and give us an update uh, next year, sometime on uh, on the progress. So, but like I said, many wish time. you well for the wish you well for the rest of this year. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, please share this uh, episode with people uh, within the mining industry, but also people outside of the mining industry. Obviously, potash is needed as a fertilisation for our food and plus many other things. So it will it does affect everyone. Uh, around the world. So it's good to, it's good to share this knowledge amongst people outside of the mining industry. So really appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.